Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey gardening friends, our first show for winter 22 and it's always great to be here. We're all fired up actually, so let's get going, 94841927. Don't forget you can email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. The dynamic duo Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton do it for us every alternate Saturday with fabulous entertainment and music and uh, always very, very upbeat as well as our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, who returns at 10am with the classic 70s for you. Faya Caro, how are you going? Uh, very well, thanks, Ray. Mm. Uh, enjoying these crisp mornings? I really am. Ooh. Well, yeah. my gardening time's been cut short because it's too cold to get out there before nine, and at 4.30 the temperature just plummets it really in plummets. No, But no, I've, I have turned my compost. i found that's a really good way to warm up. Just getting out there, just doing some physical exercise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, look, it is very nippy, uh, no doubt. And the days are quite short. It takes you by surprise. It's dark by six o'clock, and it shortens our time to do the things that we le- need to do. We just need to be more effective out there. <laughs> oh. I'm all ears. <laughs> Tell everyone about who we're chatting with this morning. We will be talking to Chris Oliver, and of course he is an expert horticulturalist yeah. and has uh, really good knowledge and practical experience on tree physiology. So we're going to revisit one of the emails that came through a couple of weeks ago mm. and look look at um, how it how we can save some of the plants in our garden, particularly trees. Tree surgery is amazing, and and trees have a really good way of being able to heal themselves Mm. if you work with them and cut appropriately so we'd like to understand a bit more about how trees work yeah and uh, what their Mm. needs are and how we can help and get the best out of them and of course what to do now exactly Exactly. All right. Well, I look forward to that. And at 20 past eight, we're chatting to Maya Linnell. Now, she's a writer, a baker, a green thumb, uh, a former rural journalist and host of online library lovers. She has a new fiction book release called Paperbark Hill. It's a story about blossoming romance and the dream of starting a flower farm. We're giving a couple of those books away after we've spoken to Maya today. And I know our listeners are avid readers, so this will go down a treat. So we'll be giving those away. Don't forget our $75 gift voucher to Bigger Trees as well. It's been a busy week, always is, at Curtain Radio. But uh, everything is uh, going along very, very well indeed. 94841927. 
Well, Ray, the emails <laughs> have kept coming. They sure have this week, haven't they? <laughs> they have. Yeah. And with with the rain and cool conditions, I must admit I have done a little bit of catching up. Good, good. And gotten on top of a couple of emails that uh, I've held over and have been bothering me for a while. Yeah. One was an email that Elizabeth sent us back in February. Well, that had a stump, right? <laughs> well, yes, and I probably didn't spend... I asked a couple of people you know, what it might be uh, without any luck and eventually got to the bottom of it. So the the photo shows a scrambling vine, very lush and green, almost succulent, like a waxy leaf and stem, but with some spines or uh, prickles. And this turns out to be, and this was identified by Derek at Dawson's after Catherine was here last weekend, Mm. and it is... Pereschia aculeata. Now, the funny thing is that when you Google it, you get a range of images that don't actually look like the plant. It's also known as Barbados cherry, and it's a rose and leaf cactus, or also known as lemon vine and black apple cactus. And interestingly, it has edible fruits, though Elizabeth says hers has never flowered. It's high in protein and iron and a popular vegetable in parts of Brazil. Mm. Now, I looked a bit further and I actually went looking for images on Instagram. So you can put in a keyword. And I found that this came up under the hashtag Trad Cactus, T-R-A-D-K-A-K-T-U-S. And so it's very common in other parts of the world very often as a house plant not common here not not particularly no no familiar but had i thought more about it i probably would have gone to the cactus and succulent society and they may have more knowledge of it but you know thinking that it was just divine and not realizing what family it came came from from, well of course yeah Mm. and it's interesting i love the lush foliage i love the color yeah I kind of Pinky feel burgundy. that I have seen it before. Like it reminded mm. me of we probably uh, have the in Nant our travels. Villas. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So that was interesting. Uh, now, Ray, we got some mail. Ah, How yes. beautiful is this? Yes, yes. I've ha- I actually now because I, I just passed you the envelope. I was given one of those a few years ago. They're very, very good. Who gave it to you? Probably the same person, I'd say. Or me. No. No? No, I definitely got sent one in the mail. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, this book, Flora Mm. Book with Our Compliments, it's available to residents of the Shire of Mundaring, the Mm. City of Swan and City of Kalamunda, free of charge. And it promotes the planting of local flora and is very important for a variety of reasons. Now, regards Cliff and Sharon Burns, authors. Thank you, Cliff and Sharon. This is amazing. I have seen this book. Mm. It sits on my shelf. and I'm pretty sure it's in my bag over there, actually, the previous edition. It is a beautifully put-together book. Mm. It's comprehensive. It's got lots of colour panels of really good photos of flowers, many of which we actually have in our bushland. So a fantastic resource for for anyone who's interested. Um, and how amazing that it's free. It is. It, well, put out by the Shire of Mundaring, City yeah. of Swan and City of Kalamunda. And it's called? It is called Local Flora and Bushlands, Darlington and Surrounds, 
406 local species photograph. It's, yeah. My, so you can go to your local council and access one? Well, the councils that I said, not yeah, all no, councils. No. Um, yeah. But it it is an amazing publication. And, mm. yes, the fact that it is three, fantastic. I mean, why are there not more of these books available showcasing yeah. our, our rich flora? Yep. Wonderful. And native plants are very important. I've say, said it before. Native plants are very important to support local endemic species. Yeah. And absolutely. so moving forward, perhaps we can all make a shift towards planting more local native mm. plants. Yeah. So thank you to, for sending that to mm. us. Yes. Uh, much, wonderful. much appreciated. Okay. Now, all right, shall we move on to our next email while we've got time? We could do. Uh, so, Karen, we're going to talk more about the email that you sent us uh, on the 27th of May, and this is about the coprosma. So that's something that we'll get to with Chris. Uh, also, oh, Ray, they came thick and fast this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what happens when it cools down, right? Yes, yes. Now... There was another one that came through during the week, Queen of the Night, mm. and it showed some brown spots on the leaf. Now, initially I thought it looked a little bit like sunburn, but mm. really at this time of year you wouldn't expect to see to that. dealing with that. So I messaged Bob Hunter and he said, Faye, it's more than likely the cold snaps. These enjoy a warm location. They're epiphytes. So mm. epiphytes plants tend to grow higher maybe in trees and they their root system uh, tends to be able to take moisture from the air mm. and they will sort of hang down mm. uh, high in the trees so having this plant in a pot out at ground level exposed to our winter is does has not probably make for a happy little no, it's probably caused the problem. So it's not terminal. It is unsightly. That part of it won't recover. So remove and tidy up if if you want to. Uh, move it to a warmer spot for now. When the weather does warm up, repot it. Use a slow-release fertiliser and it will come good. But, yes, queen of the night, tropical plants. So it's been affected by cold snaps. Oh, there we go. There's the photo there, eh? Oh, thank you. My pile of papers. Yeah. Now, we've also had an email from Pauline at Belga. She has seen the beautiful Acacia Limelight Standards. Uh, she's a bit yeah. concerned about spending that sort of money on a plant and wanted to find out if they are or how to graft them. Uh, any information that we have. Well, John's done some research on this. So he, he found out that they were put out by Domus and he spoke to Mark Tuchek on the weekend who said that they are grafted onto Acacia melanoxylin. But they weren't done in Western Australia. They've come in from over east mm. and it is a difficult task, Pauline. Mm, mm. So, you know, and Ray, I think you said you also got one from Tess. One trees? I did. Okay. So a mm. couple of options there. You know, hey, it's worth a go. If you if you can uh, source Acacia melanoxylin, uh, then give it a go. Try. Yeah. I think it's I, – I personally think it's up for the pros 
to to manage that, but absolutely nothing to lose mm. if she wants to try. Well, everyone, yeah, everyone can do it. Yeah. And the more you do something, the better you get at it. You learn, yeah. you learn to understand about the timing. Grafting is not a difficult task. Mm. Uh, it is fairly precise, and of course, precise times. Now, talking about well, not so much grafting, but propagating. Many years ago, we got a call from a gentleman who was looking to propagate white azaleas. Yes. Last weekend, we had a call from Wayne in Morley. And I I You have such a great memory. Carry on. (laughs) For some things. The cogs in my brain were turning. Now, Wayne, Mm. if you're listening, at the time you were speaking, it took me back. Well, last weekend, the query was about kumquats. But it took me straight back to the time where we spoke about propagating white azaleas. And if if you are, in fact, the Wayne that we spoke to six years ago, uh, I just would like to say that I did remember you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well done, Faye. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a better lady than I am, I can assure you, because well, I don't know what I was doing five minutes ago. So that's wonderful that if it's the same <laughs> actual fellow and it's been driving you crazy all week. I know it has. Well, I knew. Yeah. I knew. And I said that when we were having our cuppa after the show last I week. I said to Catherine, now that, that Wayne, I think we spoke to him about white azaleas six years ago. So... There, there's a bit more to the backstory, but I remembered, and I like to, I like to get to the bottom of things. So I mm. went back through my emails, and ah. yeah, I think it was 2016. Right, <laughs> bit of useless information there. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for that. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Coming up soon, we'll be chatting to Maya Linnell, the author of Paperbark Hill. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And as promised, we have author Maya Linnell online, author of the latest paperback, Paperback Hill. I was about to say paperback release, that too, uh, just released on the 31st of May. Maya, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Ray and Faye. It's great to be here, though. I just have to quickly correct it. It's actually Maya. Maya. I did, you know, Maya, I wondered when I was driving in whether it would be Maya or Maya. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, that's fine. It's lovely to be um, chatting to someone in WA. I'm looking forward to coming over your way in a couple of months. I haven't been across to your side of the country before. Oh, really? What are you coming over for, Maya? I'm going to be there for the Romance Writers Conference, so oh. very exciting. Oh, wow. Oh, well, I tell you what, it's certainly good book reading weather here at the moment. <laughs> the mornings and evenings are very nippy. I think it was three degrees this morning, and we've had a bit of rain during the week, so good, we, a, a good time for our listeners to put their feet up and have a read. And we gardeners, we're, we're quite, we quite like a little romance, don't we, in our lives? <laughs> Gardening is romantic, isn't it? Oh, it can be, but it can have its traumas. <laughs> so, Maya, tell us a bit about the book. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a rural romance story, and it came out this week with Alan Unwin. It's all about a character called Diana McIntyre and her journey to start a micro flower farm. So it's set in the Western Districts of Victoria, quite close to where I live. And it's got a whole cast of characters. Uh, she has four boisterous sons. She's got a really close-knit family and small-town community. 
And they've also got uh, a locum pharmacist coming into this book. Now, I've written, uh, this is my fourth book that I've written, and each story is focused on a different sister. Mm-hmm. But uh, So we meet uh, certain characters that have been in the previous books. We catch up with them again, but we also have new characters coming in. So Ned Gardner is, uh, uh, I guess, um, recovering green thumb. He hasn't uh, had much to do with flowers for many years. And he's stayed away from Western Victoria quite intentionally, but uh, he needs to sort out his father's free-range egg farm. And it's there that he kind of rediscovers the joy of putting his hands in the dirt and uh, getting back into dahlias in particular. Mm. Oh, lovely. And I believe dahlias are one of your passions. Yes, they are. I have uh, quite a large garden here and I've got several different plots where the dahlias go. So we purchased a a small block of land in 2004 and it was just a bare cow paddock. So eight acres um, near the coast, there's a a shelter belt right down the bottom of the block. It's got old banksias and gum trees that are all falling over. But apart from that, there's nothing else here. So it was this really lovely big blank canvas to try and start my own garden. And, and I've always loved gardening. Mum and Dad are huge gardeners. Mum's gardens look almost like botanical gardens. She's got Gosh. so many roses and adds to them every single year. Um, so I've always had a good influence in gardening. Yeah. And we, we started building our house with the bricks ourselves. And we knew it was going to be a long project, this whole owner-builder idea. So we thought, well, let's get some uh, some trees up. Let's get yeah. some flowers in and... Slowly the garden started. We had people donating cuttings and we've got beautiful patches. I've got Emma's hydrangeas and Dye's strawberries and Marilyn's gladdies <laughs> and all these beautiful little bits of the garden with um, lots and lots of, you know, fabulous plants that remind me of special people. But, yeah, the daily is um, down here in Portland, which is right at the tail end of the Great Ocean Road. There's a beautiful botanical gardens and dahlias are just amazing there. They have a huge display. Uh, and they, at the end of the season, would sometimes dig up the tubers and any broken ones or oddments, they'd just toss on the end of the pile for anyone to come and collect. Oh, nice. And I was walking. Yeah, it was just very serendipitous. I'd walk my children in the strollers around the botanic gardens and there's these huge boxes of dahlia tubers. And I'd never mm. grown them before, but, yeah, I thought I'd give it a crack and went back and got more and shared them amongst friends who'd also gotten some. So we had a whole whole range of just mixed tubers that we had no idea what they would look like and yeah. popped them in the ground. And, you know, mm. five or six years later, since I started growing dahlias, I've got oh, well over 100 varieties and, wow. and there's the roses as well. Oh. And do you take them up every year, Maya? Well, we're really sandy soil here, so mm. they're quite safe to stay in the ground um, mm. because we are quite close to the coast. You know, I'm looking at the ocean right now, and if you dig a little bit down, it's just pure sand, and then mm. directly underneath that, it's limestone, which is always fun when we're trying to put in new fence posts and things mm. like that because, uh, yeah. But anyway, we've had lots of truckloads of mulch delivered um, so we've brought in mulch and then when friends have been um, having trees lopped at their property, it's like, oh, if you need somewhere to dump mm. that, our mm. bottom paddock is just, you know, your mm. playground. Put as many loads of mulch as you want and then we've just used our little tractor, Massey Ferguson, to um, to distribute it amongst the garden. I do a lot of gardening by tractor. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, when is the best time to plant dahlia tubers? Yeah, so I most of them... I do leave in the ground year-round and then in springtime. They always say around Melbourne Cup Day is a really good time to put your tubers in the ground. But 
often I will uh, I'll lift them, divide them, and then pop them back in, you know, just in single tubers because yeah. oh, I guess the best thing about dahlias is that, you know, you put one tuber in the ground in springtime and then by the time you're digging them up in autumn, if you do want to dig them up, you've got seven or eight tubers off that one beautiful little um, wrinkly old tuber that looked like a ugly looking potato that no one would buy. Yeah. All of a sudden there's a heap of them, which I think is wonderful. A gift that keeps on giving. And, of course, the flowers are just beautiful to put into vases. Mm. Oh, they are so magnificent. They're so showy. Um, they don't have scent, of course, which is the downside of dahlias, but they do make up for it in the stunning in looks. Yeah. Well, it's good oh. for people with allergies. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if, if you have too many roses in your house, as my mum has found out, you can really give yourself a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, and Maya, how long have you been writing for? So I started writing uh, my first novel in 2017. And what inspired you just to have have a crack? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. Mm. I was one of those kids that would be squirreled away um, up the top of a gum tree with one arm wrapped around the branch and one arm wrapped around a book. (laughs) Love it. So I became a journalist um, not long out of high school Ah. and did that for quite a few years and then stopped to have kids took a bit of a hiatus to stay at home with the children and always reading books to them and Mm. reading books myself and thought, well, what am I going to do when they're at school? I might write a book. And so I did. (laughs) And four books later, here we are. What a wonderful notion. Yeah. And so for listeners, if they're interested in in getting Paperbark Hill, do they have needed to have read the previous uh, books to make sense of this one? Or you can just pick this book up and away you go. Yeah. So they're, they're... called linked standalone so they're linked in that you do recognize that cast of characters that are in the previous books but it's standalone in that the story you know does completely standalone so you won't go well who the heck is this or what yeah 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 okay that's excellent you can certainly um, read them independently but it's one of those things where if people like a bit of gardening or if they like baking or they like a bit of country charm then they're kind of you know in the right spot all of the above absolutely (laughs) well it sounds like your practical experience has put Mm. you in good stead to write the book (laughs) yeah well it's a real treat i had said to my husband um a few times because we have so many dahlias and i'm you know i can't possibly give away um the amount of dahlias that i can cut from my garden and zinnias and roses. So I put a little roadside stall out sometimes when I have so many and people just come past and pick up a free bunch of flowers. Oh, and, my goodness. You know, it's lovely friends' memorial services and um, a wedding, a friend's wedding recently. Gosh. We had the, donated some flowers for all the tables and oh, it's, it's just lovely to be able to give flowers. As you guys would well know, it's just one of those beautiful gifts of gardening to to keep on giving, isn't it? For sure. And how, how long does it take you to write this book, out of curiosity? Yeah, it takes about a year to a year. write mm-hmm. the book. And then I've also then got to edit the book once the publishers had a look at it and said, oh, hey, you've got too much in here. We need to work out, yeah. you know, cut some characters, cut some plot lines. Let's um, try and streamline it. That's hard, isn't it? <laughs> I, I put together a little 32-page book with a few lines i can't imagine editing like (laughs) (laughs) it does it does take a bit of um getting your head around it when they first send back the Mm. structural edit report with what about this do we really need this and 
you know, you kind of cling to it for a little bit, and then you go, no, they're right. I was trying to do this and this and this, but the reader, you know, they're not going to miss that subplot. But um, so you kind of take their guidance, and and they're always, you know, they've got some very good points, and they know what they're doing when it comes to keeping readers' attention. You don't want to string them out for too long. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. We have two fabulous books to give away this morning on air, thanks to you, and uh, I know our listeners will snap those up. Uh, We appreciate and uh, we'll send the details to you, and uh, I know you're able to forward those books directly to our prize winners. Oh, wonderful. And it's also a nice treat that people might notice that on the front cover of Paper Bark Hill, there's a lot of flowers on there. And the whole photos are from my garden, which is a real amazing treat that the publishers surprised me with. I've taken pictures from my Instagram to put together the first cover draft. And I I squealed when I saw it. It was a real surprise. Oh, that makes it extra special, Maya. It does. It does. Well, congratulations. We appreciate very much speaking with you this morning. Good luck with everything going forward. I'm sure there'll be another book in the wings when you catch your breath. And, yeah, uh, lovely. And I hope you enjoy your visit very to Perth in the next few Ray months. Thank you, Maya. It's been a treat. Thank you. Cheers for now. Take care. Cheers for now. Bye. What a lovely lady. Mm. Yeah. And, gee, she sounds like she's living in the perfect setting because she's so I can see the ocean from here, and my mind started wandering when she said that. I, I've got this picture of her garden mm. and the, her life, and I just, yeah. Baking, so yes. gardening, writing. Yeah, yeah. Taking got, photos for Instagram. It's got all the ingredients, mm. hasn't it? So that's Paperback Hill. And uh, if you would like to win one of these books, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. And I'm putting Bev on the spot right now. We'll give one away now and one later. Be the third caller through uh, if you'd like to win Paperback Hill. And what we're going to do is send your details actually to Maya and she's going to organise that the book is sent directly to you. So if you'd like to win... Uh, one of these books. Be the third caller through on 94841927. Must be a Curtin FM member, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Okay, we're heading out to Dianella. Hi, Caroline. Good morning. Oh, good morning, ladies. How are you all this morning? Oh, good. Chilly, Caroline. Nah. Is it cool where you are? Oh, yes. It most certainly is. It was about three degrees in Jandicott this morning, which I think is a bit warmer than it has been on a couple of mornings this week. Jandicott's always very cold, isn't it? I know. (laughs) It's a little valley, isn't it? It is, yes. It's got its own microclimate. Um, I was was ringing about two things. The first one was um, begonias. I I know you'll watch um, uh, Gardening Australia, not, not this week, but last week, they were looking at begonias. Did you see that? I don't know that I did, actually. Some, I don't know where they are, but they were absolutely gorgeous. They were huge and they were in hanging pots. Were they in a glass house? Yes. Okay, all right. There's some sort of, um, I don't know if it was a glass house, I shouldn't say yes. It, it's some sort of garden somewhere. They have staff working there. Mm, all right, we'll have to follow that one up. Yeah, really beautiful. And I just wondered how they do in Perth weather because, of course, well, it's in seaboard. Begonias can do very well in Perth. So there's a range of different begonias. You've got your tuberous begonias 
and uh, certainly cane begonias. So they will, you can Mm. put some of them in gardens. I've certainly got a few in pots. Um, Yeah, but (laughs) what I've found, uh, and I know when we spoke to the president of the Begonia Society a couple of years ago, going into winter, be careful about the cold. I try not to water the leaves. Obviously, some are probably hardier than others, hence the ones that will grow in the ground uh, under cover, under a canopy of trees or palms or similar. Uh, But liquid feeding in the warmer weather, cutting back. At at this time of year, just be a bit careful with them, like a lot of the tropical plants. Not too wet and don't interfere with them. I don't have any. I'd like to get some. I'd like to start getting some. They're beautiful, Caroline. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. There's and also the a Begonia Society that meet on the third Sunday of the month in the afternoon, and that yeah. is certainly one place, Caroline, where you would yeah. you would see a range of begonias. They have plants for sale, and they will talk about the culture of begonias. So if oh. if you are keen, that's the sort of group that I would go to to, to learn. learn more. And then, yeah. of course, your local nurseries and garden centres and they, they make fabulous house plants uh, for their foliage as well as their flowers. Yeah, oh, these were tuberous begonias. But, okay, yeah. so yeah, more warmer conditions for tuberous begonias and or indoor. So, yeah. They look lovely in hanging pots. Yes. They sure do. And now the heliobores, that's the other thing. Where will I get those from? <coughs> I know that they do have them from time to time at garden centres yes. and hardware stores. Mm, what's the best time, do you think? What what time of year? What am I looking for? Well, well they're, they're a winter a winter plant. They should mm. be maybe coming out soon. And in also the next few online, months. like yeah. some of your okay. mail order suppliers mm. will mm. send to WA. Oh, right. So are they, are they safe? Do they arrive alive? You know, like. Do they work? <laughs> yes, they can do. They can do. I've been I, a few times on internet purchases. Yep, I know. Uh, well, I have I have grown them. Uh, I might get John to look this one up, see what's available, the best season, and give you okay. some more information, well, Caroline. You know, they're very much okay. a winter a winter rose is what they yeah. actually are. And I remember yeah. when we've had Mark Tuchek in the studio, Domus Nursery is a wholesale supplier of of the hellebores amongst others and uh when they're ready they will be out in the nurseries in due course mm. yeah okay lo- lovely so thank you so just much be for your a, help. a little bit patient all right love take oh, care yeah, yeah. thank cheers. you cheers cheers for that uh, and uh, we do have a winner to paperbark hill roberta from Willerton. Thanks for playing and we'll give another one away in the next hour as well as a $75 gift voucher from bigger trees let me see. No, we can talk for another minute or so. All right, let's do another email. This has come in from Jenny and she said, I listen to your show most weeks and have learned a lot from your advice. Hope that you'll be able to answer my query. I have recently moved to a house in Kingsley and have a two metre wide area at the side of the house, which is northwest facing and bears the brunt of hot summer sun in the late afternoon in summer. The side of the house on that side becomes very hot. The area is brick paved and so all plants are in pots. I'd like to grow some trees or bushes, preferably native, in large pots to shade the area. 
narrow but with a height of at least two and a half metres would be ideal. A big ask, I know, but I'm hoping you may be able to suggest something. Well, great idea, certainly on that side and certainly native plants. The first thing I think of, Jenny, is maybe some small gum trees. But at two and a half metres, they're not going to give you much of a, a canopy or an umbrella no. to shade. Certainly uh, shrubby plants like Grevillea olivaceae, Eleogyne huglii and the bottle brushes, Callistamin, could suit the bill. Uh, Mark Tuchek has given us some suggestions. Leucodendron safari sunset will grow to two and a half metres. So maybe a mix of trees and shrubs because if you've got shrubs that will protect the, the wall of the house, mm. it will reduce that uh, reflective yeah, heat and, and bring that. the temperature down a little yeah. bit. Um, also, lily pillies uh, mm. and Petostrum, Petostrum angustifolium or Gumby Gumby. Now, if you are looking to cool the area, maybe even a big market umbrella in the centre of it mm. would provide that shade as, as, as well, well as a combination of trees there mm. so I hope that helps but I know the Grevillea olivaceae and bottle brush you can make them really shrubby they'll make a screen buffering the wall of the house and birds would love to nest in it too as well mm. okay fabulous we'll be back shortly radio. with Ray and Faye this is Let's Talk Gardening now we do have free lines if you'd like to Put your gardening questions to Faye, 94841927. And at five past nine, we're chatting with Chris Oliver. He's a plantsman, tree surgeon, orchidist. You name it, Chris can do it. Orchidist. Orchidist. Well, I put that down because I know he's got a lot of experience in fruit trees and uh, tree physiology, and he's yeah. lectured at TAFE. So all-round knowledgeable. We have had him in the studio, haven't we? We he's, have, uh, yes. He's fantastic. Yes. And he's one of those people that sits and talks and they shut their eyes when they're talking. And I always am fascinated by that. There's so much knowledge in there yeah. that they and just... It, he channels it, doesn't just he? Just flows out of them. Mm. Amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to chatting uh, with Chris. Now, long weekend. What are you going to be doing? Are you in your garden? Yes, we have a verge pickup happening during the week. So I keep telling myself I need to do Take a, a little of bit that. of yeah. serious pruning. I've been working on my pot stash, Ray. Pot stash, what does that mean? <laughs> Plant pots, yeah, just in case anyone was getting the wrong idea. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm clarifying. A few weeks ago, I almost did not have a pot to pot anything into. It happens. <laughs> but then next thing you know, I start planting everything that's in pots. That's my aim. And then before you know it, all my wheelbarrows are full up with empty yeah. pots. So I started sorting them black in that pile and then coloured in that pile. Mm. Then I went one step further and I lined up all the coloured pots in their, sh their shapes. And I found that by doing it upside down, I could match them up better because the whole patterns are different very often mm. and their size or diameter. So I lined them up in descending order and then I just stack them all neatly so I can get the colour I want, the size I want. And then on my black ones, my black are the preferred ones. Are we talking plastic? Or? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Oh, I haven't even started on the concrete ones yet, no, although no. they're in another pile. Mm. But I, I cursed John Banner Savage for this because 
I aspire to his standard of presentation. Of which no one can reach. (laughs) Well, I'm working on it, but I do do have the odd red back on mine, whereas Mm -hmm. he doesn't on his. So there are things that he does that probably his pot stash is in in a garage, whereas mine is out in the open or in a barn. And it's all been washed and disinfected and Mm, pristine, ready to go. That's Mm -hmm. another another level. But that's what I did when I repotted my broms. I washed and scrubbed every pot. Like it was 40 degrees, so I did it at the kitchen sink. And did you know that on the dishwasher, there is a pot wash, a pot scrub? Yeah. It probably isn't for For plant plant pots, but 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 it works a treat. Oh, maybe that's why oh, the dishwasher doesn't I'm drain check properly. I'm going out sometimes. when I get home. Yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah. But certainly, you know, the, the nice indoor pots that you have, yeah. you might have the small ceramic ones, mm. and they can do with a bit of a spritz sometimes, so pop them in the dishwasher. Okay. Okay, it's one more one more tip from <laughs> Faya Caro, garden guru. Mm. Love it. All right, shall so, we do an email? Well, we could, and but we've also got the uh, bigger trees to give away you want me and to do the that? question. I think. That, oh, okay. And... Well, hang on, because yeah, I need to find our song as well. Oh. I need to check. Well, there's that. no hurry for the song. All right, but I, I shall find it. So yeah, if you'd like to go shopping with a seventy-five gift voucher. Uh, up there to bigger trees. They're up in Pickering Brook. Thank you to our gorgeous friend Kerry. What could you get with a $75 mm. gift voucher? Well, bigger trees are renowned as the specialists in frangipanis, ornamental and fruit trees. But they also have a huge range to select. Literally everything is at bigger trees. And there's deliveries arriving every week. And new bare root stock will be arriving soon. And that's something to really put down in your diaries. Possibly, I would say, end of June, July. Uh, and your $75 shopping experience is going to be a very very good one up at bigger tree so if you would like to win this voucher you must be a curtain fm member and not to won a prize in the last 28 days in her role as calamity jane doris day sang about her secret love which flower does she say that she told in her role as calamity jane doris day sang about her secret love which flower does she say that she told? Give Bev a call now if you have the answer on 94841927. And, of course, at Bigger Trees, check out their website and their Facebook page if you'd like to learn more. And I did want to mention that they open this public holiday on Monday between 10 and 2. So go to it. And let me see. What, what are we doing next? <laughs> out to the line. Transplant Japanese pagoda tree. My word. And good morning. Oh, hello. Hi. Yes, uh, I I got this lovely uh, pagoda tree from Bigger Trees, and I put it in a plot out the back. But I've decided I want that space. Um, can I, you know, dig it up and transplant it? I mean, you know, I'm on rock here, but um, yeah, I thought, well, I'll ask you. <laughs> um. This is not one that I'm particularly familiar with, Anne. So it's in a pot now, is it, did you say? No, no, it's in the ground. Um, we dug this huge hole um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's done all right. Um, it's probably about five foot high. Yeah, so I okay, thought... Okay, so it's still small. 
Yes, yes. Is it deciduous? It's a Sephora japonica. It's a beautiful yes. tree. I know, I know the tree. And uh, if it flowers, it's absolutely amazing. It likes to be in a cooler environment, doesn't it, Anne? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a stunning right. tree, though. Wow. And I, I just thought maybe you could give me some pointers. I mean, I, I, I move things and then I find out I shouldn't have done that. You know, get some advice on this one. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw this to John because I do not want to give you the wrong information. And being a cooler tree, it might be okay to transplant at the moment. Whereas if it was a, a tropical tree, uh, yeah. different story altogether. But yes, let's go to John and I'll come back to you on that, Anne. All right, thank you. Okay, okay so keep listening. Thank you. Alrighty. Cheers for that. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, it has a beautiful pendulum-like branch that has this creamy sort of flower. It is absolutely stunning, but it's more inc- inclined to do well, say in areas, you know, sort of going a little bit down south. Yeah, mm. it's an absolutely glorious tree, though, and I have seen them up at bigger trees, and I've ummed and I've ard and ard and ummed. Have you got room for more trees, Ray? Uh, probably not, but I would put one in a pot, you see. Mm. So I have... I have options. I make options. Mm. But, um, and, and I guess for Anne, if the plant hadn't been in the ground for terribly long, then its roots wouldn't have got out and therefore it would be easier to transplant it without doing too much damage. Yeah, I different, think so. Different if it's been in the ground for more than a no, year yeah. and its root system has moved. I agree. Okay, let's go to Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Oh, that's quick. It yeah, was. Good morning, girls. Morning, Margaret. Um, just to please, a quick question about my avocado. Look, it must be at least six metres high and it's got two leaders. Now, can I get um, my tree lopping man to um, take no more than two metres off the top? That would be okay, but I don't think now's a good time, Margaret, because avocados are not fans of cold, wet weather. No. And I would be worried that you you may introduce some dieback if you cut it cut it now. So early spring. Yeah, when it starts to warm, so that the tree will heal. Yes, good. Okay. Early spring. Thank you. All right. You're welcome, Margaret. Bye for now. Bye. Cheers for that. Okay. Oh, and we actually do have a Bigger Trees winner. We have Barbara of Willerton. Thanks for playing with us, Barbara, and your voucher will be in the mail to you this week. So the question was, in her role as Calamity Jane, Doris Day sang about her secret love. Which flower does she say she told? She even told the golden daffodil. Okay. So I found the song as well. But we'll have a break and then we might go to the song. Okay. Thank you for all your company this morning. We will be going to the 9am news shortly. Now, where are we at? We got some information from John just now. (laughs) I know, we're all over the shop. When I get information from John, it's a page of writing. Yeah, so you need to to analyse that on the spot and talk at the same Um, time. I'm not that good. Um, What I will do is go to... This email from Maria in Middle Swan. She says, good morning, phone rain. My son has a small aquaponics system and his broccoli plants are being eaten by something. 
Uh, it's not caterpillars as he couldn't see any. Well, sometimes the caterpillars actually do hide down in the expanded clay. Do they? Now, when mm. I had problems in, in my aquaponic system, what I would do is raise the water level so that it came above the expanded clay and anything that was lurking in below the surface would, float up. would, would come to the top. Okay. So you mm-hmm. would sometimes get caterpillars, uh, slugs. Uh, there wasn't really much else other than that. Of course, the grasshoppers are making a feast, but I don't think they would do this level of damage. I suspect, Maria, it, it probably could be rats. And mm. what I have done is put uh, a live trap, a cage trap, on the grow bed with bait in it. And that way you, you're covering two bases. You can either trap it or bait it. And I think that probably is the Is problem. what the problem. Mm. Okay. Now, we had our competition for bigger trees and the answer was Golden Daffodil. The song we're referring to is Secret Love. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please. Okay. Wow, how nostalgic was that for Cara? It was. Isn't she oh. gorgeous, Doris Day? Yes, iconic. One of a kind, one of a kind. I'm going to give away our next book, Paperbark Hill. You heard us earlier speaking to Maya Linnell, the author. If you'd like to win this book, must not have won a prize on the radio station in the last 28 days, and you must be a Curtin FM member to play with us. Give Bev a call, third call through 9484 one nine two seven and this uh, lovely fiction novel will be yours and I know a lot of our listeners in general whether you're a gardening fan or not do love a good read okay nine o'clock news and after the news we'll be chatting with Chris Oliver Partly cloudy today. We are heading for a maximum of 18 and right now it's 8.9 so we're halfway there and overnight you can expect a minimum of 6. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a maximum of 18 and for our public holiday on Monday the minimum overnight will be 7. Partly cloudy again with a maximum of 18. So lovely mild temperatures and when John brought me in our rainfall so far for June 0.8. Hardly worth mentioning but let's hope we do get some decent drops of rain between June and July and August. Well, I think we, we will. Coupled with the cool weather, yeah. a lot of... The garden's looking quite good at I the moment, know. I was looking at mine during the week and I thought, you little rascal, you like this weather. Because <laughs> it's just everything's just recovering, including myself from summer, and things are looking good. Mm. And now we're going to catapult into winter, but everything's going, yeah, I'm happy. And it looks very healthy, I think. It it sure does. And the weeds are healthy and happy. Now, Ray, last weekend we talked about humic acid and yeah. Ruth from Inglewood has sent us a message. Hello, the lovely gardening team. Last weekend you spoke about humic acid. Mm. Not sure if you are aware, but there's a product that's been around for years. BFA, which is Biological Farmers Association certified, has a good dose of humic acid in its formula. It's mixed with other goodies too, so that plants get a balanced boost. Now, Ruth mentions uh, that she's used it for years and it really makes a difference. The plants just seem to smile. It's almost like they sense me coming, she says. Uh, And the product that she's talking about is Sea Mungus. Yes. And I googled humic acid and there are a range of products available um, put out by organic crop protectants, lawn doctor, 
Baileys and Eco Growth. So yeah. if you're looking for products with humic acid, they're out there. Go, yep. Yeah, go to your garden centre and hardware store, and, they, and, and they there's are, a range of options. And they are recommended, mm. absolutely. Now, we do have a winner for our second book giveaway this morning, Robin from Kingsley. We know Robin well. Thank you, Robin, for playing with us, and a copy of Paperback Hill will be on its way to you. You'll enjoy it, absolutely. So, uh, And uh, next week we're going to start giving away some bottles of Verigrow as well. Oh. Yes, yeah, so um, that's one more... Uh, feather we can add to our what's the saying cap cap thank you <laughs> bev's laughing at me out there i am laughable that's okay bev i don't take it fits. well it's it's not feathers in this case because that would relate to to birds birds yeah. of a feather uh it's all about wool a sheep's wool it is mm. it is it's a it's a really interesting product and it works so we will tell you more about very grow uh, next week and we'll be giving away a couple of bottles each week. Uh, I have the supply on my desk. <coughs> there goes my voice again, but you would have to be able to collect from the station. That will be the one one issue. You must be able to come in and collect it from us. Okay. We have Chris Oliver online. Good morning, Chris. You're with Ray and Faye. Good morning, ladies. How are you this morning? Good. How are you going? How are you handling the cold? You all right? Oh, not too bad. Oh, Chris, so you, your reception's a bit in and out there. You need Is to it? be still. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yep. How's I'd, that? Much better. Thank you. It's good okay. weather for your cherries, isn't it? Yes, just wonderful because we had a good crop last year for the first time for three years. Fantastic. So, um, we're hoping for more cold weather. Ah, so with plants that do need a chill, what should we be doing with them at this time of year? Basically just um, leaving them for the chill to come. Uh, lots of people do all sorts of things, you know, like putting ice under the trees and things like that, but um, I just leave it to nature. And uh, if the cold comes, uh, but don't put anything around to protect them. Let the cold... So, soak into them basically and because they need cherries particularly need different amounts of chill depending on the varieties so is it uh, the ambient air temperature or the soil temperature yeah it's it's the soil and the atmosphere together okay yeah yeah right. and should people be stripping their leaves off their plants not necessarily no no just let nature take its course and um just uh, if you've got some cold winds, the chill factor does help as well too. Uh, that's why you should sort of not cover them up in any way. For sure. Now, I sent you an email this week of yeah. um, from Karen of Queen's Park and she has a very old, uh, not happy looking caprosma. I wonder if you can talk us through how to bring this back, doing your magic. Okay, now the caprosma looked in a pretty sad state because um, it's been cut back very hard. In fact, too hard, really. Uh, it's a very hardy plant and uh, that will recover very quickly. But uh, the same with the lady, I think it was, that had the tall trees that wanted the uh, pruning back naturally. Um, the avocado, do you mean? No, no, there was tall trees. Um, oh, yes. Me. Yes, okay. this is the um, pear trees from Alice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And both of them, though, have the same technique should be adopted, that 
when you're pruning back, of course, you should prune to a growing shoot. And uh, like the coprosma was just pruned back to bare wood. And uh, that takes a while for regrowth. But the secret of looking a plant, making a plant to look nat- natural, is to cut it back to a growing shoot. And then, of course, the eyes, when you're looking at it, you don't look to see the cuts. You look at the, the foliage of the tree. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah so that's the, the, the real secret. But then, of course, there's a bit of an art in, in, in pruning it back in that way to a natural shape again. Uh, that takes a bit of practice. Mm. So with these pear trees, I wondered if Alice might even uh, see these as a candidate for espaliering. Yeah, yeah, against the wall, yeah. Mm. Yeah, she could, yeah. She's got them the right shoots in the right place for sure. Yeah, it could. And, of course, it's better to do that when the, the plants are young, but these just seem yeah. to to be uh, yeah. a good candidate for for an espalier. Well, the Kroposma lady, too, needs to cut all that um, exposed wood back right back to the foliage for mm. a start mm. and uh, to a growing shoot, and then uh, it'll be start to look more natural again. Yes. And, of so course... Chris, there's some plants you can do just about at any time of the year. Um, yeah. Geisha girls, they can, like, once they've established, they can get away after a few years, can't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when's yeah. the best time to, to give them a prune? I'd say um, <clears throat> basically sort of, I, I like to prune them generally sort of uh, late autumn, early summer before it gets too hot. Um, but after flowering as well too, I think it's the same thing like with pruning citrus. Uh, wait till they've, uh, the fruit has dropped and then you can prune them. So uh, this time of the year, of course, is, as we know, it's the main pruning type of stone fruit. Uh, but uh, palm fruit, apples and pears need to come a little bit late because they seem to hold their foliage a lot longer than most stone fruit. Am I correct in thinking you wouldn't wouldn't prune an apricot right now because of the cold and the risk of fungal disease getting in? No, I would uh, still um, attempt to prune it because uh, maybe a little bit later, uh, as long as all the foliage has gone, the same with cherries, um, plums, nectarines, peaches, uh, wait till the foliage is gone and then the, 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 the roots are really virtually gone to sleep. They're still active but uh, they're never dormant but uh, it's that sort of slowing down time of the year when you don't have a lot of sap flow so you don't hence a pruning cut would not generally produce um, sap sap towards the end gumming and things like that yeah but would still heal okay yeah definitely yeah would you definitely. use a steri prune product uh, yes 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 you can use steri prune to uh, just to help. Uh, but the thing is, I think what you've got to do is also, when you're pruning, just follow up with a quick, good fertiliser too. Um, mm. And then that sort of builds strength into the roots for recovery of foliage yeah. um, later on, yeah, for sure. And what sort of fertiliser are you talking about? Well, it depends on uh, <clears throat> whether you would like organic or uh, a mixture. Uh, uh, or um, just uh, solely um, non-organic. 
Um, and what I like is to use is, is a bit of a mixture, but because um, you've got to sort of gradually move your plants onto pure organic with your soil build up and things like that. But if you want quick regrowth, for example, if you're doing bringing back a tree into life again sort of thing, it's good to give them perhaps a, a liquid fertiliser uh, for start, one of the proprietary sort of uh, makes, and uh, you can then uh, uh, supplement with a soil fertiliser as well, with a granulated soil fertiliser, such as um, NPK Blue if it's a fruit tree, or if it's a more of a tender sort of plant like Proteaceae group, Grevilleas and Banksia, for example, I would tend not to use the uh, the, the rapid fertiliser, on inorganic fertiliser. Just give them a, um, a liquid fertiliser, an organic liquid fertiliser, particularly if you want to recover them. So as far as fertilising dormant fruit trees, I, I was of the opinion that you wouldn't do that until they're actively growing. So when they're moving in springtime rather than... <laughs> winter when they don't have leaves and when they're actually dormant and we get the rains that will just wash the fertiliser away? Um, actually, I've found from experience that it's, it's good to do that fertilise now because for the simple logic that, of course, the, the nutrients are there ready to be absorbed with the soil water uh, as soon as the autumn flush begins. Right. And, uh, in many cases, as you probably know, they, uh, a lot of the roses this year and last year never stopped producing new growth mm. all through. I had to prune hundreds of roses where they hadn't completely defoliated, where they were still growing. So the soil was still warm enough to be able to take up nutrients. Oh. So... Um, it, it depends on the season. Faye's rubbing her head I, here, giving am, her a headache, Chris. Well, I am because, you know, all yeah, the things that we I know, know, and I know you're at the forefront, You've you're hands-on, you're out there all the time, and you're yeah. reading what is happening. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're questioning those, um, the beliefs that we have had set. It's, yeah. It just, it's the old adage, isn't it, that, you know, there's different things that work for different people or... Yeah. There's no yeah. right or wrong sometimes. Sometimes, but my theory is that I like to, the plants to be prepared instead of um, you know, waiting for the um, the growth flush to occur mm. uh, and then the uh, the take-up of the nutrients. If you've got them there already and the soil's still all warm, well, the plant gets off to a faster, a faster growth rate uh, when the autumn flush comes. That's so my philosophy. Theory. So you actually put yeah. them to bed, put them to sleep with a feed. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. And, uh, so it's it's not fine. too late then. No, no, I don't think so. Um, you can follow up, you know, with uh, if you soon soon see the uh, the flush coming, the new shoots coming. Mm. But I, I like to put a bit of a like a reservoir, if you like, in the soil solution of nutrients. Because mm. you've got a good soil structure, uh, then of course you've got the uh, the the aggregates holding the nutrients and being ready for release. You have a head start. So mm. what is an organic fertiliser that is actually going to help feed and build the soil that you could put on now, Chris? Are we allowed to mention products here? Well, give us a few examples, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, the, the Nutrog products I found over the last five or ten years are really good. They've been scientifically developed and... Um, 
they have um, one of the products, um, Sudden Impact, for example, yeah. has something which the others don't have. It has a, a booster, a rapid release fertilizer injected into the slow release um, based material. So um, it's quite a good sort of um, uh, scientific theory that they've developed there. And uh, not many of the others have it. Most of the others have sort of um, pelletized bowel manure or uh, uh, other types of manure pelletized. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they don't have that sort of double-barreled hit which mm. plants can use, um, particularly if used. Now, they've bought out a liquid fertiliser as well too, a sudden impact liquid fertiliser. I was just going to ask you about that, Chris, and I'll tell you why. I have a little dog and if I put fertilisers down on the ground around the plant, she goes out and tries to eat it. <laughs> yeah, so I was just going to say about a liquid option. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And if you want a, um, you know, a quick recovery of a plant, uh, you've got foliar sprays as well too to, to use, foliar nutrient sprays. But in my experience, um, it's only used those as a backup uh, okay. because they only take a very small percentage of uh, nutrient in, in foliage. Yeah. 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 And another question for you. Now, I, I wasn't tuned in properly when you and Faye first started speaking. You're talking about cherry cherry trees. Um, with the foliage out there at the moment, we've had a spectacular autumn show of coloured foliage. Is it... A temperature thing or a light thing that causes the brilliant burgundies and reds that we've been enjoying? It's more yeah. so for me, in my eye, this year than, say, previous years. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the um, what I've found over many years' experience. It's the, uh, the quick uh, recall of the cold nights. Mm. Uh, this is what we've had, if you remember, like we've had the, the warm weather persisting yeah. for quite a while. A long time, time now, yeah. We've got cold nights, and that's brought about this quick change and the uh, uh, and the intense deep colouring, I believe. So it's not to do with light. I thought it was um, associated no, with um, less sunlight each day. Not so much. Okay. I think a little bit. Mm. But I found what I've found, these quick cold nights have brought Snaps. The, yeah. the quick fall on, and that means a quick change of colour. Yeah, I just have been enjoying colour here in Perth that you normally see down south. Yeah, yeah. Mm, the, it's been great. The, the ambers, ambers are beautiful up here. Yes. Wow, fantastic colours. And that's another thing too, that when you're selecting liquid ambers and those uh, or autumn foliage, always try and select them when they're in leaf fall. So you can get, because the, the genetics vary uh, and so much, and so it's best to look around the nurseries and and buy them only when they're defoliating, so you can pick the ones with the richest colours. Yes, yes, it's a very good tip. Yeah. Yep. All right, we need to move on. It's been really delightful speaking with you again, Chris, and we must get you in the studio soon. I know you're a busy man. Faye's nodding ahead at me. Yes. <laughs> So we'd love to have you in. And uh, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom with us this morning. Thanks, Chris. Quickly, um, I've noticed there just a little tips for winter preparation is um, uh, out uh, at this time of the year, a lot of the shrubs and trees are showing uh, like burnt tips and margins. And what I've discovered is that they are actually starving for moisture. And you wouldn't believe it. 
But the reason being is I've discovered that um, the mulches have been put on too thick and too close. And when you scrape them away, you'll find that they're as dry as anything. Mm-hmm. People should just um, put mulches on no more than two or three inches, really, in the old language. Yeah, yeah. Um, not close to the base, of course. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, a lesson that I've seen recently in a, a number of my people, that, um, and they asked me why uh, the plant's looking dry and tips burning back. And I believe that's the reason they're just not getting the moisture through mm. because of compaction of the mulch. Uh, and Chris, we have a question for you. Can I ask you if you would be as kind as to stay on hold? We do have yep. to go to a sponsor break and then we can deal with the question on the other side. Would that be okay? Are you able to stay with us for a minute? It's disappeared somehow. Are you there, Chris? Okay, we'll go to our break anyway. Radio. And we're back. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. And we do have Chris online. Thanks, Chris. We have a question for you. Is it okay for me to read it to you? Yeah, no problem. Okay, this is from Linda. She has a 100-year-old she-oak. Chop down to six metres. Will it regenerate and can the cuttings be used to strike? Uh, the tree is situated on a vacant block in South Perth. Yes, I would say there's a good chance. Um, they can reshoot again, but uh, if it's been cut down mm. without any foliage, then that could be a problem because when you cut them down that much, uh, she oaks don't generally recover quickly. Uh, uh, if it's got no foliage on it, then I'd say uh, it's a bit of a wait and see to see if you get any new regrowth from um, dormant uh, buds. Um, yeah, so anything that is like that that you cut back, you need to always leave foliage. It's important because that's the that's the sort of food factory for the uh, the roots and so forth. Yeah. A hundred years old. Gee, that's, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. That, that, wow. that has my antenna up. Okay. So you think yeah. it could, it's possible? Possible, but a uh, hundred years is a pretty old tree. Yeah. It may not have, again, uh, it may be worthwhile sort of fertilizing it a little bit too. Uh, try some um, liquid fertilizers, which should bring about a quick response back uh, around the drip zone, uh, the old drip zone and just see uh, what, if that makes a bit of a difference to stimulate the roots. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nothing to lose, I guess, because it's no, obviously nothing. already been cut back, so yeah, yeah, the work is done. Okay. Yep. All right. I think we're good. Thank you. Thank you for ha chatting with us this morning, Chris. We'll let you go now. No problem. Thank you for that. All the best. <laughs> All the best All to right. you too. Have a great day, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Okay, what's next, Fanny? Now, here's an interesting one talking about managing weeds, Ray. Uh oh. This came in from Maxine, and she says, I oh, think I... on the Saturday morning show some time back, there was talk about using goats to eat weeds instead of spraying. Mm. I may have mentioned it. Hmm. Anyway. She's been looking on Google but can't find anything about hiring goats uh, other than in Tasmania or America, nothing in WA. I wonder if you can hire a goat here. Well, I haven't seen Borrow or goat. heard of, of anything like that, although I did go on to Gumtree and I found 
uh, there was a, a goat and a rooster going for a couple of hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, my suggestion would be if you're going to do that to get a female because the, the male goats, the belly goats, are really stinky. Dirty little mites. Well, they're just, they're very mm. smelly. Mm. Mm. And um, if you... If you want to be sure, you must um, have to have a property, right, to have a goat. Well, you, you can must tether have land. Them. I, I think you can. You tether. have to contact the council. Um, mm. There's something about getting approval to have um, um, animals, hoofed animals. So there are regulations around it, but all councils, of course, would be different. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're a gorgeous animal. Love them, but mm. gee, they can when they get very naughty. <laughs> Wouldn't it be lovely to have a couple of kids though? You know, running when, around when hilarious. they're little, yeah, absolutely and lovely. They're just their antics are, yeah, very entertaining. But better guess, than live TV. But I guess they do make a great lawnmower in the right environment. The right uh, they will just take out anything and everything in their yeah. path. And mm. if, of course, they get loose, then that's <laughs> so. I, if yeah, they get not loose, not for all gardeners. They're not for all gardens. And mm. so, if anyone has a goat or knows how uh, one of our listeners can access a goat, yeah, give us a call. And I'm sure there'd be times and... if you were a a goat owner that you know you wouldn't mind adjusting it somewhere or exactly. when you go that's off on holidays, you could share yeah. it around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Never a dull moment on on <laughs> Let's Talk Gardening, is there? There was also on Gumtree, a milking goat that was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can... Oh, well, a lot yeah, of people love goats. Turning milk. your weeds mm. into milk. Yeah, as well. How sustainable is that? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> okay. Now, Nina has sent us in a photo of her blueberry bushes and she said she'd like to know what's wrong with these plants. They've been looking like this in the photo for a few months now before the cold weather. The, the bushes uh, have got reddish leaves. Uh, they, To me, they look like they're doing their winter thing. Uh, and I don't know if it was brought about by the, the cool spikes when the temperatures suddenly started to drop in autumn. But Nina, these plants look like they could do with a bit of a cutback. Cut out anything that's dead, dying, diseased and crossing over in the centre. Mm. But also look out for any signs on the leaves uh, particularly under the leaves like pustules of rust there is an alert out with the ag department at the moment on blueberry rust and it has been detected in some areas in Perth so if everyone can check their blueberry leaves if they're not sure then the best thing to do is take a photo and send it through my pest guide reporter app and uh, just yeah be sure but other than that, they do look like they're going into winter mode, changing colour uh, and just could do with a bit of a tidy up. And, you know, Ray, this is a perfect time, not necessarily to do a big prune on all of our plants, but to tidy up plants. So this bed here where, where these plants are, there's a few weeds around the base. So I go in with a, a little garden fork mm-hmm. and from the trunk of the stem outward I do a light fork and Mm -hmm. I loosen up any weeds and pull them out put them in a bucket it's no Mm. good dropping them on a soil no because away they'll go they just turn around and yeah down their roots go when they Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. all you've done is move them and so then um 
you know, like Chris was talking, an organic fertiliser sprinkled around the base. When the rains come, that will water it in. It will improve the soil. And you go in with your secateurs, make sure you bleach them. So if there is any disease or pest, you're not taking it to the next plant. Mm. Get out anything that's, you know, thinner than a pencil or twiggy and dead looking. And then maybe a liquid feed as well or seaweed product. And, you know, you your plants will just, with the next lot of rains, they'll burst to life. And mm. then, of course, the gaps in between your plants, throw on a layer of mulch as well to put it to bed, to suppress the next lot of weeds and buy yourself some time. And you will have an amazing looking garden by tackling little bits at a time. Yeah, yeah. Start at, start at the beginning and that might be your road verge that's what I've started doing. Door. It's my philosophy. Mm. <laughs> Even if it's just a square metre, I try and do before. I, well, literally, as it's getting dark, I'm sitting out there on the road verge. Because you love the cold. <laughs> I love the cold, but it's time for me as mm. well. I don't have the time. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have the time in my garden that I would like. So mm. I'm trying to, after I've exercised the dog, give myself 15, 20 minutes and I get down on the ground and I do something oh. until I can't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's my world. Well, the other day I made myself a cup of coffee, rang my sister for a chat, wandered out into the garden, found a sunny spot on the yeah. deck, found a few weeds and started pulling out these tiny little weeds, mm. the wild oats that are appearing. Mm. Next thing you know, lo and behold, there there is this um, bird's nest fungi in the mulch now when you're looking Mm. at a pathway of mulch Mm. you know it's like a forest floor Mm. but only Mm. because i was pulling out these individual little weeds yeah that i noticed and they're like a little um chocolate paper you know how when you get a box of chocolate yeah you you get individual papers yes and inside of that there are the they look like little chocolate drops Hmm. and they are the perennials and when the raindrops come, the raindrops bounce in these little, looks like papery cups, and the perennials bounce out. They can bounce up onto plants, and or otherwise they just bounce up onto other bits of mulch. They take hold and they spore yeah. and grow again. Well, And a friend recently sent me a photo and said, what are these things on my succulents? And they were these little uh, spores. Spores. Is yeah, that right? Spores from the bird's nest fungi. Yeah, what yeah. a treat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of, as you say, uh, looking closer, mm. more closely. And when you look close, look closer. Yes. So you, you know, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, some that. of what I also had there was little tiny gum nuts and they look like bird's nest fungi. Mm. So, mm. you know, they kind of camouflage mm. amongst other things. It's mm. amazing. It, well, this, I was about to say the zoo beneath our feet, but that's not beneath our feet. But, well, uh, it is beneath it is, our feet. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Margaret wants to comment again. Hi, Margaret. How are you? Oh, yes. Faye, have you got she-oaks growing on your uh, property because... We have one. Uh, do you find it, it, anything grows underneath it? Yes, the weeds. And... Yes. <laughs> and... I set about, because um, she-oak needles are supposed to be very good for helping native orchids. And so I started pulling out these little weeds. And do you know, I disturbed the top 
or the trapdoor of a trapdoor spider. Um. And it was like the top of a an old-fashioned jewellery box that was made from straw. Like they were oh, really? crossed over really? and this little flap, a round flap with there. a decoration. It was just extraordinary. And the hole itself was probably the size of a 10-cent piece. Just amazing. But I've also found in that tree um, many different um, lacewing larva eggs. Right. And the there were little pupas of lace wings, like little tiny circles, <coughs> like pearls, in the in the fork of the tree. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm not sure what what it is about the she oak, and might be the needles. Um, but I find out found out years ago when I tried to grow natives in a bush that was bare. Mm. Um, planting natives I mean I suppose we have to experiment and find out which ones can cope but plants that are generally planted under a she-oak do not survive mm, and yeah. I'm not sure whether it's the needles or whether it's because the, there's too much acidity but I did hear a comment years ago about there's something that the she-oak does to deter growth of plants under its drip light, you know, under its foliage. Yes, I think they are allelopathic, so they put something into the soil where other plants won't grow. And also it it makes a very soft bed, like a, like a mat. And I believe this is where Indigenous women used to go to give birth under oh. these trees. Oh, well, because the needles are very soft. Mm. Yeah. Well, the only thing I've had to, because I've got a block of, of natural native Jarrah forest up here wow. and I don't have a lot of uh, she-oaks but I have found that the pink jade it grows quite happily. Under pink them. jade mm. as in the uh, portulaca? Oh, pink jade. Oh. No, succulent? Jade, jade. It is a succulent. It's yes. a very um, woody bush but it, mm. and the leaves are quite small but very, very succulent. Nature exotic, Margaret. And the pink flower looks, the pink mm. jade looks beautiful when it's in flower because yeah. the whole bush is covered in colour. Yeah. Yeah. Is it but, an um, exotic? Oh, I don't oh. think so. I don't, just just old. I mean, I don't know. My grandmother's... Yeah, <laughs> they're everywhere, aren't they, Margaret? But yeah, not yeah. a not yeah. a one of our native plants. I don't think so. No, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, it's not a native. Yeah, but I was no. just thinking about this she-oak because a lot of people now wanting to uh, re-vegetate uh, with mm. native plants, not to be too keen to put in too many she-oaks because of this growth inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And they could be, um, you know, um, very disappointed with the results if they put too yes. many she-oaks in. Mm. Yeah. Yes, if you wanted a pretty can... native garden, you'd have to be aware that this would have a space and it would take up a, a rather large space. Yeah, with nothing but else growing. They're quite messy, but and they are they are high fuel as well for fires. Yes. But they do have redeeming qualities, being that they are a food source for our birds. Red tail cockatoos, yes, absolutely love. I mean, yeah. I've had eight red tail cockatoos in my trees. To me, that nuts. yeah, mm. that's their redeeming quality, and that's they're a good windbreak too. The mm. the sound yeah. of the wind yeah. coming through yeah. their foliage. Yeah. yeah, but they do drop a lot of 
sure uh, do. Leaves and it makes very a messy. very thick mat. Mm. So, mm. but um, anyway, you've got to grow some she oaks around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We've we got sure plenty do. over our way. Thanks for your call, <laughs> Margaret. Thanks. Thanks. Have Cheers a good day. For that. Okay, we do have to have a break. Uh, Linda, we will be chatting with you next. And coming up at 10am will be Jim Crinan with the classic 70s. Straight back out to the lines. Linda, thanks for holding. Hello. Good morning, Linda. Hello, Linda. Uh, No, you've got Teresa here. Oh, hi, Teresa. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how I got there, but I've just sent you a photo. And, uh, <laughs> I, I've sent you a photo of a caterpillar in my garden. Oh, nice. And uh, I was just wondering if you could help me um, get some product to get rid of it because it's eating all of my plants. Okay. Uh, right. Well, when John brings me the photo, I'll be able to have a look. But for caterpillars in general, one of the the safest products, an organic product, is um, Dipel or it's a bactericide that targets only caterpillars, but only when they're small. And it works when the caterpillar eats the leaf and it ingests this product. Uh, you, You mix it up. It's a powder. You mix it up in water and spray it on. You reapply after rain or after irrigation. Okay, but these are huge things. They're they're about three inches long, some of them, and and about the size of a pencil. Just unbelievable. They've eaten every one of my succulents, and they are pretty vicious. Right, okay. Uh, So when I am able to have a look at the photo, I might Mm -hmm. be able to work out what type of caterpillar it is. Some caterpillars will have a particular host species. Mm. So... um, yeah, I need to have a look at that. And if okay. they're that big, then this dipel won't work on them. Okay, because I've been using Maverick, but that doesn't seem to do anything either. Mm. Uh, the other thing is to, to pick them off. They've obviously been there for a while. So what you need to do is monitor the plants and look for new outbreaks. So if you've got a, a plant that's been affected, check it for the caterpillar, look for new growth. If the new growth as it comes is being affected, then obviously you still have a caterpillar. So maybe Mm. moving the pots around a little bit or putting a net over them to stop. Well, it's it's the ground. It's in the ground. So I'm not sure Uh. whether these caterpillars came with the the soil that we purchased back last um, um, September, I think. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, we've certainly also had army worms moving around and sod worms. Uh, mm. So many of these are cyclic. They're not. They're not big caterpillars. There's. Mm. Um, there are certainly some of the the bigger caterpillars, like the tomato hornworm. Once again, mm. they're host specific. When I have a look at the okay. photo, I'll I'll know more, Teresa. Okay, thank you for that, Bay. Okay, cheers right, for that. Bye. Care. Bye-bye. Okay, now we really are going to Linda. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Uh, just a slight um, error in what was happening on the switchboard. Yes. Um, thank you very much for getting Chris back. It was actually my sister's property 
not a vacant block. The bloke, oh. his excuse was he thought it was a vacant block. Well, there were lots of trees screening down the back. Um, but it's like part of a remnant of what was in South Perth oh. originally. And it was, like I said, over 100 years old. Mm. And he pruned it down to, sorry, it was about six feet, not six metres. Oh. And um, I know it, was, it, it probably dropped some of the needles over his fence line, which he probably wasn't very happy about. Um, anyway, I'll get on to her to suggest she put some, well, I suppose it'd be native fertiliser, liquid fertiliser around, see if it will regenerate. But I've got my doubts. We've got our doubts because yes. of the size of the tree yeah. that they chopped down, which is very sad, and she was quite angry about it. Mm, of course. Absolutely. They, well, that's they, trespassing, they, isn't it? Well, they could have left a note in her letterbox and said, look, I'm, um, we need that tree needs to be dealt with because it's dropping stuff over our fence and da de da de da but nothing. Just jumped over and did it. So that was pretty, pretty um, mm. upsetting for her. Yes. And especially since, um, and I told her, save some of the wood because that's really, really special. <laughs> mm. It is. I don't yeah. know whether it can t- be turned. But anyway, also what I wanted to speak about was last week you did a wonderful thing to do with the um, pesticides and so on. Mm. We'll be looking forward to it. And my friend, I told her, and she's going to look forward to seeing that, hear, watch, seeing that thing on the 15th when it comes out. Yes. To do with the... Um, thing because I rang up the council because years ago we had an incident um, <clears throat> and they only sprayed in July and when I I emailed actually the, the mayor he said oh they do it three times a year and the reason why I emailed them because they did it in January and I thought what the hell are they doing it in January for oh they do it as a management they do it three times a year mm. in Gosnells mm-hmm. and I thought that was overkill because when you look at where they do um, steam, they say, oh, it's not efficient, not not effective. Well, how is herbicide effective if you've got to do it three times a year? Mm, this is quite true. They've been yeah. glyphosating in my area just this week, Linda. So, yeah. And I had about. information in 1983 where herbicides reduce your resistance to viral infections. Mm. It's in the air and you could get sick a week later and you wouldn't know it was from the spraying. Yeah, mm. yeah interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, Thank you for your call, young lady. Put um, yellow things on the on your your um, verge. Yeah, you know, on the ask the council to put them on the verge. Okay, so you can get a particular like triangles. Yellow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Triangles on your verge, so they won't spray it. That's correct. All right. Good tip. Thank and you very thank much. Thank you for very that, much. Much okay. appreciated. Thanks, thank Linda. All right. Bye. Bye. And we're heading to Redcliffe. Uh, Janice has a comment on the goats. Hi, Janice. Hi, dear. How are you? <laughs> we're great. Thank you. They were mentioning goats about weeding the garden. Look, I just cracked up laughing. <laughs> I'm sure. In Belmont, we had a goat, and she was a female. We called her Sherma. She not along, uh, alone cleaned the grass, but every washing that was on the line yep. she used. And matches out on the tank stand, old tank stands, and she would eat all of them up. And we gave it to a friend because he had a grass about five foot four over, tall over here in Redcliffe, the other side. And he rung us up for two weeks after. He said, Come and get this friggin' goat. <laughs> and I said, Why is that, Cobb? I said, What's the matter? 
He said, I had my windows open. He said, the curtains rang out and I chewed the bloody curtain. <laughs> and he said, all I've got is twigs left on my tree. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's all I just wanted to share, darling. Yeah, no, they're very <laughs> thorough. <laughs> Not only... He used to follow Bill all around wherever Bill went. Uh... But I don't know, he, he did not like Kiwi. We had some Maori friends who oh. used to come with, and every time she looked at them, she used to go towards them, or they go to patter, she'd get behind them and she'd bunt them, eh? Oh, that's very funny. Friend, lent it to a friend, but we never ever got it back. Oh. But that's one of the stories I wanted to share. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the laugh. We appreciate it. Have a good day, yep. See ya. Good Thanks, on you. Janice. Cheers for that. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, what a laugh. Not only will they weed, they'll prune your trees. And and your curtains. <laughs> your home. And your washing. Oh, that's All right. funny. We'll be back in a moment now. There's still time to get your questions through. There is 10 minutes remaining of Let's Talk Gardening. Curtain Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. We're all just having a bit of a laugh behind the scenes at our Goat call. We we enjoyed it. Jim Crinan is in has been in stitches. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, and, you... uh, John Glidden said it would be okay to have the crutch eaten out of your jocks as long as you're not wearing them. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> I don't wear jocks anymore. No, I gave up a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teresa, thank you for your photo. I I know you might not like caterpillars, but this is such a cutie. This. This type of caterpillar has got personality. It's the vine hawk moth caterpillar. And the the angle that you photographed mm. is probably the back end the, of it, even though yeah. it looks like a pair mm. of eyes, mm. and that is to ward off predators Camouflage. or wannabe predators. Mm. So it's a Hippotion celerio is the name of the caterpillar. And they can target grapevines, fuchsias and, and other things. You know, I I couldn't bring myself to kill these. Um, they will also eat uh, sweet potato plants or the leaves. They're so large, you could easily go around and pick them off. Mm. And what would you do then? Raise them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would. I'd let them turn into moths and mm. I would use that as an education. And, mm. you know, there's plenty of opportunities out there schools and classrooms would love to have them to learn about the life cycle. Sure. I would rather turn it into an education rather than catch and kill. Okay. That's that's just me. I'm probably different to a lot of people. Mm. Um, but I, I guess what a lot of people focus on is the fact that their garden's being eaten. That's the problem, isn't it? Yes, and so once you get the food plant, so for example, you can feed them grapevine leaves. Now, they're abundant, so mm. you could prune off a little branch of grapevines and you could let them go for gold. You, you could give them away, yeah. so you don't have to kill everything. Mm. No, okay. Mm. We're in Ellenbrook. Meryl, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. good thanks, Meryl. How can we help you? Um, I have about 15 Dracaena marginatas that were flourishing in my garden. They're planted in a quite a sandy soil, but... Um, so over the last probably six to eight months, they've become they've dropped their leaves and they'll they sprout new leaves, but then they all die and it seems to be whizzing back. So my husband and I have been pruning off the dead ones, trying to save them, but it's almost like the whole trunk is waterlogged. We stopped 
overwatering them, but now I'm at a loss for what to do with them. They used to be just glorious, but now they're, uh, it looks like they're all dying. So I wonder what's changed in that area. Are they near a fence? Uh, yeah. They are near a fence, and they do get watered because we've got a lake on the other side, and where the council kind of waters that lawn, they do get extra water. But we did start putting, um, we have this wonderful man that brings in, it's like a dried um, sheet poo that I've been using as a mulch because the earth was just so, it just it has nothing in it. It was just sand. Um, would, the, would the lamp pool have interfered with them, do you think? I wouldn't have thought so. Dracaena marginatas are really tough plants. They will, yeah. they will survive yeah. on very little. Um, if there was uh, a lot of urine in the sheep manure, like if it was fresh, then that could set them back. But I think it would only be temporary. Um, ha- would the council have sprayed anything on? No, on- we're uh- probably about a metre and a half above where council level is. So they, because I, I, I watch the spraying because we have bees in our yard as well. But it's um, it's almost like they they get to a certain length, and then they just start to wizen back again. And I've even thought about cutting them off. So I've had them with me. So I'm 50 now. I've had them since I was 20. They have all come from the same plant. And every time I've moved, I've kind of taken cuttings. So they're, um, they were like magnificently huge. Um, and now they just, I just don't know what to do to save them. I've even thought about take, taking them out of the ground and putting them back in the pot. Well, maybe do that with one of them. Um so you said you, you've cut back on the watering because you thought you were over-watering them? Yes, we so, have, so cut back on the watering. So assuming that they're, they're too dry, you could apply wetting agent, like dig down and see what the soil's like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine that they could have got too wet in our soils unless mm-hmm. you had really um, peaty, peaty soil. We don't, yeah. No, so the drainage would be good, but... That made me think I was over-watering. When we cut them, the stems were full of water, and I've never seen that before. Oh, that sounds... Yeah, something's going on in the root zone. So definitely dig one up and, and find out what you can mm. determine from that and then get back to a smeral with what you find. Okay, then. Thank you, ladies. Have okay, a thanks. Weekend. You too. Okay. Thanks, Meryl. Teresa phoned in to say thank you for your comments. <laughs> I'm wondering if she it's... might not be happy with it because oh, I'm like I'm wondering if the Teresa, caterpillar. Yeah, Teresa's the, one of our volunteers. Yeah, it is Teresa. Uh, I thought the I recognised the voice. I, same here. <laughs> okay. All right, we're in Maidavale. Rita, hi. Oh, hello. My name's Rita from Maidavale. Yes. I'm ringing about the lady that said her neighbour jumped the fence and chopped the tree down to yes. six foot high. Yes. Um, that's actually illegal. Yes. And if she either gets onto her Shire's webpage mm. or contacts Citizens Advice Bureau, they can provide her with like a, a little information sheet about mm. what people can and can't do, and then she can just pop that in the person's letterbox. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, yep. Rita. All right, you take care. Yep. Have a lovely you rest too. of the weekend. Appreciate your Bye. call. Thank you, Rita. Bye-bye. Cheers for that. Uh, yes, indeed. You can't just go chopping trees down willy-nilly, can not, you? Not a hundred-year-old tree. Yeah. Like, when will people realise? Yeah. Well, it was. You can see what it is. It was annoying them. It was dropping. There's a right. The yard. There is a right way to do something. Yeah, if you have a problem, yeah. you've got to 
go through the had, appropriate go channels. through the channels exactly mm. so and that's what they're there for to to protect all right now we've had a a really nice morning we spoke with Mayor Linnell and we've given away two paperback hill novels and we've given away a $75 bigotry voucher as of next week, we're going to be giving away some Verigo products as well. And we've got Radiothon coming up in a few weeks' time. So that's going to be running from the 13th to the 19th. On The Gardening Show, we're giving away four bigotry vouchers that morning to anyone that donates to the station between 8am and 10am. Uh, so lots of things in the pipeline coming up. So busy time, as always. Uh, heading and catapulting through to winter. Now, you're looking at me nodding your head. Would you like to say something <laughs> before I close the door? Well, just what should people be doing in their gardens now? The Do weather share. is cold Do and, share. you know, we might be inclined to think we should stay inside and keep warm, but uh, a stitch in, in time saves nine, does it not? So we're, full of, we're full of these... <laughs> Quotes Conundrums. this morning. <laughs> yeah. So get out and do a little bit of tidying. You might start at your front door or your back door. You know, those hot spots where things just build up, you, you, your drop zone. Mm. Uh, tidy up. Blow a vac. Sweep. Mm. Weed. Mulch. Trim. Tidy. Compost. Mm. That's the jobs for the week. Yeah. Go to it, everyone. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden and, of course, our very own Faye Akaro. My gardenism for the morning is I always see gardening as escape, as peace, really. If you are angry or troubled, nothing provides the same solace as nurturing the soil. This is true. I and when we nurture the soil, we nurture ourselves. ourselves. Correct. Jim Kreiner next with the classic 70s. Then we go country from 12 noon with Brendan T. And Born in Boots. Look, have enjoy this long weekend. Enjoy this gorgeous weather. Happy gardening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.